Uh, well, we are going to be in John chapter 4 today, so uh, wherever you are, uh, maybe we can have a time of, of just kind of, uh, some of you may have been sitting down for a, a little while. Let's we just stand uh, wherever you are, and we're going to read John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 6. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of God. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you also would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Amen. Please be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for um, this time. We bring our request before you because you are God that delights to hear the prayers of your people. Father, we do pray uh, now uh, for the needs of our body. Father, we pray that you would be gracious to meet our financial needs, uh, both meet our financial needs as a congregation and the things that we have been led by your spirit to do uh, for, the, for your namesake uh, in this community and the world. But also, God, I pray that you would meet the financial needs of our members, those who are struggling to wonder where um, the next check will come in. And uh, Father, I just pray all the different things that, that are happening in their lives, that you would meet their need financially. And we pray, God, that you would allow us to help meet that need. We pray that those who have needs would be bold enough and humble enough uh, to ask for help, and the people of God would, would respond in kind. Father, I do pray specifically for children, uh, as those children who are at home. God, we pray that you would, would give them a longing to love and listen to their parents, God. We pray that during this time it would be, it would be revealed in them areas where they can grow and trust you more. Uh, Father, we pray for wisdom as this uh, sermon goes forth, that even they would, would believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we pray for parents, God. We pray that you give them patience, Lord. Uh, patience from the Holy Spirit, Lord. And you would also give them wisdom and insight to see what is going on in the lives of their children so they can speak your word, your word of truth, into uh, their lives. Father, we do pray for all those who are struggling mentally during this time, struggling with, with fear, anxiety, worry, uh, feeling like they are being maybe claustrophobic, being at home. I pray, God, that you and your kindness would uh, just surround them with your love and with your mercy. Uh, Father, we pray that you would um, just work in their lives. Uh, Father, we do pray uh, also specifically for uh, those who are continuing to work and have inter interaction with many uh, people in the world. We pray that you keep them safe and healthy. We pray for those individuals that we know in our lives who have contracted this virus and other sicknesses. We pray your grace of mercy would be upon them. Father, we also just pray that you would continue to move in, in the world. Father, we pray for the gospel to go forth in India. We pray for uh, our brother pastors there, um, uh, Harshit Singh and uh, Raj Shaker. God, we pray that as they uh, lift forth your word, that you would uh, build that, uh, their churches up for the glory of your name. Father, we pray that you would use them mightily uh, for the people of that land. 
And God, we also just pray for the community uh, that you have placed us in, uh, Rock Hill. God, we pray that you would uh, be gracious to, uh, to use the preaching of your word to build up your church. We pray for Ron Richardson this morning at Catawba uh, Baptist Church. We pray that as he announces your word, that you would build him up more and more to the likeness of Christ. Him and your the congregation, you've entrusted to his care. Father, we also pray for our leaders. We pray specifically for Governor McMaster. Uh, now we pray that you would give him wisdom, him and his leaders. God, just give him sound, godly counsel on, on how to um, open up our economy, uh, how to uh, lead, Lord. Uh, these are difficult days, and I pray that you would just give him a peace that transcends all understanding. You would guard his heart and his mind in Christ Jesus. And now, God, as we open your word, uh, we pray that you would do a work in and among the people of Park Baptist Church. Father, this is a passage that many of us know and have heard often. God, we pray that you give us new wisdom and new insight uh, into it. Uh, and God, we pray that you would do far more, far more than we could possibly ask or imagine. That you would take this word and you would change people, God. That you would bear eternal fruit in it. Oh God, I pray that you would take me and you would humble me, Lord. That as I announce the, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would preach through me by the power of your Holy Spirit, that your name would be glorified, that your fame would be had. God, let me be one that just simply hides behind the cross. God, I, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for the, the church you have given me to shepherd. Oh, God, do I love them. I love them so, God. I pray that they know my love, God. But even more so, God, I pray that through this message they would know your love, that they would know that you are a God who came and made a way for them, that they may be safely arrive at home. So God, I pray that you take this message. Use it for your good purposes, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. There are days we wish never happened. There are minutes and moments who've changed our life forever. It's cancer. I'm sorry, she didn't make it. We're going to have to let you go. Your dad is leaving us. Why would you hurt me like that? I'm dying. It's terminal. I have weeks to live. Every person has moments that change their life forever. What are yours? Just, just take a moment, maybe fixate on that for, for a second. Meditate on that memory. It's in the intensity that we enter into the discourse of Jesus Christ, the intensity of troubled and painful hearts. The disciples had walked with Jesus for three years, and they sat around campfires together, sharing stories, sharing their very lives together. They met each other's families, shared some of the most wonderful and painful experiences of their lives. They saw Jesus perform wonderful miracles, and yet they also saw people reject and betray him. They did it all together. It was Jesus and the twelve, and now one of their dear brothers and friends walked away from Jesus and walked away from them. Judas betrayed Jesus but he also betrayed the disciples. And after Judas leaves, Jesus turns to his beloved friend and says, 
friends and says, it's time now for me to go. And where I'm going, you can't come. Jesus then challenges them in, in, in John chapter 13 to love one another. So during this intensity, this, this and persecution that is coming, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you must love one another. The only way that you are going to get through this is if you love one another. And your love for one another will show the world that you belong to me and that I am real. Confusion, fear, worry. What's going to happen? And to make matters worse, their leader, the Apostle Peter, is told that he will betray Jesus and deny him three times. This was a terrible day. It is a day that will shape the future of these disciples and all disciples that come after them. Jesus is saying, I'm headed to the cross. He's going to die. And friends, death comes to all. I have stood before countless men and women who I love sitting on those two pews after they've lost loved ones in intense emotional agony. And I've read these words to them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus is about to give the most comforting words in the history of the world. But we will never realize how beautiful and powerful they are until we first realize who they are spoken to. Those who have troubled hearts. So think back on those moments in your own life, those painful memories, and you'll get the, the experience of the beginnings of a troubled heart. And as we look to Jesus, the, the balm for a troubled soul, I want to ask you four questions that I pray that will lead you to peace during these days of darkness. The first question, do you know the way of God? Do you know the way of God? I could easily change the question, do you know the way to God? John 14 begins the, the, Jesus' final discourse before his trial and death on the cross. It follows right after Jesus ha having his last Passover with his disciples and washing his uh, disciples' uh, feet, pleading with them to live lives of mercy to others. He then tells them that it's time for his death and his departure. So the first half of John's gospel, really chapter 1 through 12, that question comes up is, where is Jesus from? Well, the second half of the gospel, it's where is Jesus going? Where is he going? And this is the answer in John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? See, Jesus assumes, that after all his teaching, that his disciples knew and would have understood that he was from the Father, and therefore he had to go back to the Father. He and the Father are one. Go back, maybe this afternoon, and read the first 12 chapters and just see how many times Jesus says, I and the Father are one. The Father and I are, are doing the same works. 
I mean, the, the crowds and the Pharisees may not have gotten it, but these were his disciples, and they still didn't get it. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? See, Thomas was thinking like the Pharisees in mere earthly terms. He was thinking more of the, what town is Jesus going to, rather the, than what realm is Jesus going to? Jesus was going to go to heaven. And then he tells his disciples how he's going to get there and how they can get there. Look at verse 6. Wonderful verse. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus makes it very explicit. From now on, you know the Father and have seen him because you have seen me. I and the Father are one. This is the, the sixth I am statement in John's gospel. And every one is communicating the same truth. Jesus is God. So two things I think Jesus says to the troubled heart that we could draw out. First, believe in a person. Believe in a person. These are essential for all of those who are facing troubled hearts, especially those who are facing death. First, believe and have faith and trust in a person. We must believe in Jesus. We must believe that he is the way to the Father. Thomas Akempis in his classic work, The Imitation of Christ, writes this. Beautiful, listen. He was saying, this is what Jesus was saying to us. Follow thou me, I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way there is no going. Without the truth there is no knowing. Without the life there is no living. I am the way which thou must follow. The truth with, which with thou must believe. The life for which thou must hope. I am the inviolable way, the infallible truth, the never-ending life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, life true, life blessed, life uncreated. That is a beautiful way of putting these words. Jesus invites you to the Father through himself. You cannot know God unless you come to God through Jesus Christ. And to come to Jesus Christ is to believe who he is and what he has done. He is the, from the Father. He is the sovereign creator. He's the author of life. He's the beloved son, the long-awaited savior, the Messiah, the final and perfect high priest, the crucified and risen son of God, the Lord most high. And his identity is connected to what he did. He died in the place of men and women to pay for their sins by turning God's wrath from them onto himself. When we believe in the person of Christ, we believe secondarily these wonderful words, we believe in the place that he has prepared for us. John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. 
Now, many of you kind of grew up on the King James, and the King James Version says, In my father's house there are many mansions. Mansions in the Old English is not referring to the modern use of the word, like a giant, sprawling house like the, the Biltmore house. But the ancient word, the Old English word for, for mansions was room. There is room in the house. We often make this um, section about what we get for what Jesus has done, but we often miss the main thing of what we get. We get Jesus. Do not miss what Jesus is saying. Do not let your hearts be troubled, for I go to prepare a place for you, and I will take you to myself. The person and the place are together. When we go to the person of God, we end up in the place, the very presence of God. Jesus was going to prepare a place for believers through his death on the cross and through his resurrection. So even in this gospel, in John chapter 19, when Jesus says, it is finished, he is declaring that the preparation that he went to go do has been completed. The payment has been paid. The check has cleared. The aim of this passage is not for us to think about what kind of mansion that we'll have in the sky. No, it's supposed to tell us that there are many rooms for all. Many rooms for all who will come to Christ. There is plenty of room for all who believe in the Son. Do not let your hearts be troubled. There is room at the inn for you. Jesus has made a way that you can enter into God's house, his temple. I mean, think about this context again. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus, or shortly will. And like Judas and Peter, we have done the same. We are sinners and deserve to be cast outside the Father's house. We don't deserve entrance into the Father's house because of our sin. What we deserve is to be with the Father of this world in the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And yet, because Jesus went to the cross, died. And rose again, he prepared a place for us in heaven with the Father. We are now allowed to enter into heaven to dwell with God. Jesus says to sinners, to those fearing their sins are too much for forgiveness. To those who are afraid of death. To those who are overcome with their own failures. To those overcome with grief. The Lord Jesus Christ says, let not your hearts be troubled. I have made a way for you. Friends, in order for the weight of this reality to fall on us, we must first realize the trouble that should be on our hearts when we think of our own sin. Some of you who are watching now may not be followers of Christ. Some of you may be followers of Christ and living in sin. Our sin is treason against the king. We must realize the reality of sin against a holy, infinite, almighty, glorious God. And we must realize that the just and awesome, in the truest sense of the word, punishment, rightly deserved against sin and sinners, is eternal separation from him, exclusion from his house. 
It is only when we can fully understand and comprehend these words that Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now you can use that to those who, who may not know the Lord and say, no one comes to the Father except through me. Or you can also just use it and say it positively. You could say, Jesus could have said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Everyone, everyone who, who can, everyone can come to the Father through me. Everyone can have their sins forgiven. Everyone can be made clean. Everyone can dwell with God. That wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for the cross and the resurrection. Satan often says, you are too dirty to be loved. You've fallen too far to be forgiven. You're too weak to make it. You're too broken to be useful. And our Lord Jesus says, I came to cleanse the dirty, forgive the fallen, strengthen the weak, and heal the broken. I am the way to cleansing. I am the way to forgiveness. I am your strength. By my wounds, you are healed. Friend, do you know the way of God? Friend, Jesus is the way. Second question. Do you know the works of God? Do you know the works of God? Jesus was very clear and very emphatic, and yet the disciples still do not get it. He could not have been clearer about his identity. And what happens in verse 8? Philip says to Jesus in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for me, for us. Didn't he just say, I and the Father of one, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father from now on? I mean, he's very emphatic. And he says, okay, Lord, just show us the Father and we're good. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus just reiterates the same truth. I and the Father are one. And then he validates his claim by pointing to the seven signs he already did in this book. Believe in my words or believe in the works that I have done. And you see, many of us are just like Philip. We've heard the truth numerous times. Uh, we have, uh, we, we've seen his hand move in our life numerous times, and yet we just want a little more information. We want a little bit more confirmation that Jesus can be trusted. See, I, I think that we don't normally need more information. We just need to take a better look at the information we've already received. Jesus made it clear who he is. Will you believe? Examine the evidence. Now, friends, this is not just for those who may not know Christ, or those who are struggling, maybe even watching, struggling, deciding whether they should follow Jesus. This is for believers who are struggling to decide to continue to follow Jesus. Is he trustworthy? Will he be with me? Is following Jesus really worth persecution or not getting my desires? Or is choosing this sin really that bad? Is this really sin? See, we need to know God's works 
he did to prove his divinity on the earth. But we also need to know that God's continued work among his people. Let's look at verse, these ma magnificent verses in John 14, 12 through 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, now those of you who are new to the Bible, when you hear truly, truly, you want to, your ears should go up and your eyes should, should, should listen, right? Your eyes can't listen, but your ears should listen. Your eyes should go right to the text. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whoever, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, for the, that the Father may glor be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Astounding, is it not? Jesus says that whoever believes in him will do the works he's done, and even greater works than these. So what's he referring to? We've got to be careful here. So the works that John's gospel usually refers to are the miracles that Jesus does, like the healing of the blind man in John 9, the feeding of the 5,000. However, in the context, the work of Jesus is revealing who the Father is and that Jesus and the Father are one. So the works that the church will continue to have the great privilege to participate in, and even in a greater way, is revealing that the Father, revealing the Father and revealing that Jesus and the Father are one. And the reason that we will be part of these greater works is because Jesus says, I am going to the Father. Meaning that Jesus is going to die, be buried, rise from the dead, and ascend to the Father and send his Holy Spirit. The, the, the Holy Spirit may reveal, illuminate, and guide salvation, people, sinners to salvation. Jesus is going to usher in the new age. Uh, Don Carson, uh, New Testament scholar, writes this. This is a longer section, but I think it's important for us to hear. In short, the works that the disciples perform after the resurrection are greater than those done by Jesus before his death insofar as the former belonged to the age of clarity and power introduced by Jesus' sacrifice and exaltation. Both Jesus' words and his deeds were somehow veiled during the days of his flesh, even his closest followers, as the following verses make clear, grasp only a part of what he was saying. But Jesus is about to return to his Father. He's about to be glorified. In the wake of his glorification, his followers will know and make known all that Jesus is and does. And their every deed and word will belong to the new eschatological age that will have dawned. Now hear this. The signs and works Jesus performed during his ministry could not fully accomplish their true end until after Jesus had risen from the dead and been exalted. Only at that point could they be seen for what they were. By contrast, the works believers are given to do through the power of the eschatological spirit, the Holy Spirit, after Jesus' glorification, will be set in a framework of Jesus' death and triumph, and hear me, and will therefore more immediately and truly reveal the Son. All that is to say is this. We for the rest of our lives, we'll be working to reveal the Father to the world by proclaiming the gospel of the Son, Jesus Christ. 
And as we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified and raised to new life, the Holy Spirit will reveal the way, the truth, and the life in a fuller and clearer sense than even when Jesus was on the earth. Jesus said we will do greater works because he is going to the Father. We've talked about this recently in our congregation. It is to our advantage that Jesus would leave, that he would send his Holy Spirit. He's going to the Father more clearly, show that he is the one with the Father, and now through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will help reveal the Father through the Son and the power of the Spirit. This is a glorious thing. If this is the greater work we've been called to, do you know these works? In a study by Lifeway in 2012, 80% of Christians agree that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. 80%. That's good. While only 61% have shared how to become a Christian with anyone in the last six months. And less than 50% have, been in, have invited anyone to church in the last six months. I think Christians in general are better at talking about doing evangelism than actually doing evangelism. Now, I am so thrilled of what God is doing in the life of our congregation, right? I, I see our people having regular gospel conversations. I even see one of our members texted me this week, said, listen, we had someone paint our house, and we, we encouraged them uh, with the gospel, and they, they said, hey, can we tune into your service this coming weekend, right? Just by inviting them and, and, and opening a hand of, of friendship, they were getting an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. And believe it, it's, it's not hard. Even right now, it's probably the easiest time to do evangelism. Well, what do you mean? We'll just text them and say, hey, why don't you watch our, our service? You don't even have to know if they actually did it or not. You just have to invite them. It's a simple thing. Jesus has promised that we will be effective in our work. We will help people believe that Jesus is one with the Father. He says if we pray and ask him for help in this work, he'll answer us. Are you praying for the work of revealing the Father through the Son and the power of the Spirit. If you're one of the two-thirds of Christians who have not shared your faith in the last six months, will you pray? Will you pray that God will give you an opportunity? If you're one of the 50% of people who have not invited anyone to church to a gathering in the last six months, will you pray? Take God at his word. He has given us the work and promised that we will do greater work of the new age of the risen Christ. Trust him. Do you know the works of God? Are you participating in the works of God? Beloved, our job is the invitation. God supplies the power. Our job is to invite. God supplies the power. The gospel is the power of God for all who believe. As the song, The Power of Cross, so beautifully articulates. Listen to these words. Oh, to see the pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin. Every bitter thought, every evil deed, crowning your blood-stained brow. Now the daylight flees, now the ground beneath quakes as its maker bows his head. Curtain torn in two, dead are raised to life, finished 
the victory cry. Oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for though for through your suffering I am free. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live, won through your selfless love. This, the power of the cross, Son of God, slain for us. What a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. Friend, invite. Invite and let God show his power in the cross. Third question, do you know the words of God? Do you know the words of God? Faith without works is dead. Jesus makes it clear that if we say we believe, we must keep his words. It is not enough to know his words, we must obey his words. Look at John 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the, the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live, and that day you will know that I am in the Father, and the, you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments keeps them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and, your father, and my Father will love him. And he will come to me and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me, does not keep my words. And the, the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. I mean, just some simple questions. Do you love God? Do you rejoice in his forgiveness? Do you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Do you obey his words? Many of us may say yes, very emphatically to the first three, but go to number four. Do you obey his words? I could preach an entire sermon on, on this section right here, but we don't need many words here. What we need is repentance. Is there anything in your life that you need to turn away from? Do you have any secret sins you must confess? Are you harboring any bitterness towards anyone? The promise of the gospel is that God will make his home with us. He will dwell with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Even as he says in 1 Corinthians, how can we bring the Holy Spirit with us in our sin? If you love Jesus, you will keep his commandment. Whoever has and keeps Jesus' word, it is he who loves him. And he who loves Jesus will be loved by the Father. Whoever does not love Jesus does not keep his words. Do you know and keep the words of Jesus? If not, Repent today. Turn from your sins. Trust in Christ afresh. And friends, he's given you help. Which is the last question. Do you know the worker of God? Do you know the worker of God? The only way that we can know the Father is through the Son by the revelation of of the Holy Spirit.
Jesus went to the Father for our advantage, to send us his presence forevermore. I mean, you've already kind of heard that in the, in the section that I just read, but look, listen to him how he speaks it very clearly in the end of this section, beginning in verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. God has given us himself in the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us, to empower us to live the life he's called us to, to give us the power to obey his words, give us the power to believe in the gospel, which is salvation for us. Friend, you are never alone. And you will never be alone. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will not leave us as orphans, the text says. You will always have his presence. Now, there's going to be days when our hearts are troubled. There will be days when we will doubt God's love for us. But remember Romans 5, 5. It says that we have a hope that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. We have never been left alone. Now, one of the most tragic things that have happened because of this global pandemic is that many people are dying by themselves in a room without family. Family is not allowed to come in and people are left alone. And it really grieves your heart when you hear these stories. People just want to be with their loved ones. And as I've been hearing these stories, I've been reminded of Don Carson talking about his father's death when his heart was troubled. Carson writes this, When Dad died, there were no crowds outside the hospital, no editorial comments in the papers, no announcements on the television, no mention in Parliament, no attention paid by the nation. In his hospital room, there was no one by his bedside. There was only the quiet hiss of oxygen, vainly venting because he had stopped breathing and would never need it again. Tom Carson died with no person by his bedside. But hear me, Tom Carson was not alone. Carson had been given the Holy Spirit by the way and the truth and the life. And there was a home prepared for him in glory. So as Carson breathed his last on this side of glory, his son reflected on his dad and said these words. When my dad died, on the other side, all the trumpets sounded. Dad won entrance into the only throne room that matters. Not because he was a good man or a great man. He was, after all, a most ordinary pastor. But because he was a forgiven man. And he heard the voice of him who he longed to hear saying, Well done, 
good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. The the Lord Jesus Christ looked at his servant and he said, welcome home. Friends, do not let your hearts be troubled. There is one. There is one who is waiting for you. The one who is the way and the truth and the life. Who said, everyone can come to the Father through me. And he is waiting for us with his arms open wide. With a smile on his face. Ready to say, welcome home. Welcome home. Let's pray.